to the Midas Touching. I'm your host, Chris Chusa, and this is Charlie Bradford. touches this week we are going to have as the sun quoted them racing's hottest couple it's Safi Osborne and David Egan but before that let's have a quick look back at last week where we had the Dubai World Cup and also the return of the flat the Lincoln meeting at Doncaster where Mick Shannon had a winner in Johan exciting race Undercooked winner. No one really knew about him. Slight anticlimax? No, I, well, actually, it's not an anticlimax in my opinion because a real handicapper won it, which I actually really like that aspect of the race. You know, it, too often now you see these horses really lightly raced, often, you know, Godolphin or, 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 or similar ownership who have spent their winter in, in Dubai, you know, had one r- r- run at Maidan completely unexposed and then go and win the Lincoln and that's a slightly defeating the point of what's a great handicap and quite a nice valuable prize at the start of the season so yeah I was glad to see uh, you know a a smaller yard win it with a proper handicapper and hopping across Europe to uh wait 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 wait. what what about Edgelob Yes. We had a winner, so we, we did. Those. We had a winner in the form of Edge to Lab, which ran at Kempton, was basically a class above the rest of the field. Yeah. Um, so that was very exciting um, for tipping perspectives. In terms of a best performance of the whole weekend, though, who do you think wins that? I'm actually going to go elsewhere for this. We didn't speak about these races, but uh, the first at Kempton on Saturday was won by a horse called Aldous Huxley. Uh, a Godolphin yes. horse, yeah. First time, first run. Uh, and looked pretty pretty imperious. So I think that one could be a good one going forward. Part of the classic generation. Not sure what the plan is, how much they think of that horse, but I I've, I've thought it was quite well, taking. What's quite funny also is that I actually messaged William Hill afterwards and asked him to put him in the market for the derby. And uh, just looking at Ozchecker now, William Hill have, have gone 25s. Skybet have followed because of me, but they've actually gone shorter. They've gone 20 to 1. Wow. So I'll, I'll, I'll genuinely take full credit for the fact that Aldous Huckley is even in that market. He's not entered, but looked really, really good and uh, could, be a, could be an interesting one for Godolphin, trained by John Gosden. Yeah. Uh, and they usually come on a lot for their first run. So... You know that would be a that would be an interesting one. I thought it was season. impressive, and also you can't you can't forget that John Gosden does really well with those horses that go on the all weather and then and then sort of go on for better things. You know, yeah. Stradivarius, Stradivarius without parole, enable, is, enable, is the yeah. example. Um, so 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 there's a good chance that that you know he could he could do better things this season. So quite exciting. I like that. Imagine if he won the Derby and I'd I'd actually put him in the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. might not even cool. want him to go there, but now. There's, there's also while we're on the subject of the Derby because uh I was reading an article. I think it was released today 
but there's a horse of Aidan O'Brien's, and you know how this always happens every every season. There's a horse of Aidan O'Brien's called Waterville. He's an unraced horse, hasn't seen the track, three-year-old, uh, does have an entry in the derby. And Aiden's really been talking up his chances. Now, this reeks of, of what happened with Santa Barbara last year. Unraced horse again was sort of in the market for the guineas. It's a 33 to run one or something. Then they, they started hearing the whispers and they're quite loud whispers. And, and that horse went off, what, near evens for the race or something? I Stupid think drifted like out hard to five to two okay. late on. Fair but, enough. But, but was five to four on the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's different because obviously these horses will have runs before the derby. So it won't be, they won't be quite as unexposed as those horses in the 1000 were. And there's the added point of there's a, there's a really quite strong favorite in Luxembourg for that race, but it may still be worth trying to get a price on that horse and then looking to play the markets. If you're looking at that angle, like, there's already been a big shift in the market. It was 33s, now as short as 60s. I think you can still get 20 to 1. But this horse will run. You know, it's not going to go into the derby as a maiden. And yeah. You can imagine it will win. Yeah. So that happens. Single figure prices you're looking at. Could We're talking for basically a quick flip. Yeah. A flip on the market. Absolutely. Like, you know, you love it. doesn't have to win the derby, but but you can make some you money. You can trade elsewhere. it. Yeah, you yeah. can trade it. So that was an angle. He's done it before with Rule of the World, who won, who hadn't run as a two-year-old. Uh, and, and this one's a half-brother to see the uh, Sea of Class, which is pretty, you know, pretty hot pedigree. Short neck. So. Hot tip coming there from Charlie on how to play the Epsom Derby market now. Um, we'll leave that intro there and we'll enter or let enter our two guests today. Uh, we are very happy to be joined by two really exciting young jockeys. Um, I sort of jokingly uh, <laughs> quoted on, on Instagram as racing's hottest couple, which was uh, a quote by the, the Sun. I'm sure there's a lot more to them than that. And uh, we're really looking forward to finding out more about them. Uh, Safi Osborne and David Egan, welcome to the Midas Touches. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, the sun, the sun comes up with some really random quotes. <laughs> well, it, it, it's quite a random um, paper that, but seems to uh, attract quite a lot of attention from people of uh, all ages. Um, I'd say maybe it's, just, <laughs> maybe it's just a positive that you guys got the mention. Um, you know, you, you've, got, you've got to take these things and uh, enjoy them. Yeah. How are you guys getting on? We just watched uh, David's ride on, on Find about 15, no, what is it, 20 minutes ago at Chelmsford. Um, looked like you yeah. were going to win for a long way. He did. He ran a great race. The, the front two were a lot more um, dominant. They were raid probably 10 pounds higher. So he's only finished a couple of lengths behind them. So it was a nice run after a good seasonal reappearance last day, about a month ago in uh, Kempton so uh, yeah hopefully he'll um, progress throughout the season God you've started this off on a very serious turn yeah very <laughs> <laughs> well you've got to start somewhere don't you um, and and Safi you've just got back from Dubai um, how was that out there must have been pretty exciting yeah, yeah it was brilliant uh, Alec ran really well he finished fourth in the Gold Cup so um, I think he's got a really exciting season ahead of him and hopefully there's a big staying race in him well, we'll be looking forward to uh, to when that 
that moment comes, I'm sure our, our listeners will be all over him. We're a big fan of uh, of Alan Yak, so it was it was great to see you get so close on that horse uh, on an on an epic night. Um, obviously, going back to the Saudi Cup, Mishrif, uh, a big favourite for for David. I think he went off favourite, didn't he? So sort of ten to three or something was disappointing. Is that horse doing okay now? Yeah, Mishrif is doing well. He's uh, he seemed fine after his race in uh, Riyadh. Obviously, not what we all hoped. Um, but yeah, he's back sound. He's training every day in his routine, and he'll gradually start stepping up his work for his uh, summer campaign. Um, obviously, disappointing. He couldn't sort of repeat the feats of last year's success. But uh, look, we'll live to fight another day, and he's fine. And that's the main thing. Yeah, that's great. And you know, taking it, you know, a year back before that, when you did win. What was that like? What was the, oh, the prize? Okay. 20 million? Yeah, 20 million, $10 million to the winner, which was a crazy amount of money, isn't it? If you, if you think about it for a race that lasts less than, less than two minutes. So, uh, what is the maths? What is it per second? Yeah, some, I know, I know, <laughs> that's another thing the Sun did. The Sun did a... Uh, what does a jockey take home? what percentage is it of the uh the prize uh, fund so in the uk the prize money uh, the percentage the jockeys take home works out just under seven percent for the win but in other countries it's ten percent luckily for me in in saudi arabia it happens to be ten percent so ten percent of ten million yeah we'll let our, let our, let our <laughs> listeners work out the rest yeah so i actually i actually um ten percent of the prize money i earned was uh, taken off me because of my overuse for the whip so that was my my punishment, as, as you could say, well, underground attack. <laughs> yeah, we were we were well warned beforehand because of the worldwide coverage for the overuse of the whip, and obviously I had a brain freeze and might got a bit a bit excited and might have given one extra smack that I I said I forgot about when I went back into the sewers room. But uh, yeah, it was a small price to pay for a great success. Yeah, a hundred percent. And looking ahead, um, the flat is back. We had an epic um, weekend at, at Doncaster. What are you guys most excited about for the new season? Before we talk about horses, why don't we talk about the big days? Which are the ones that really get you excited? I think Royal Ascot for any jockey is sort of the pinnacle. It's in the middle of the summer. You have all the best horses running and that's where everyone sort of dreams of being. Um, obviously, David's had more taste of that than I have so far, but... Um, uh, hopefully it can be a big year for both of us and both riding at those big meetings. I think for young for young jockeys though as well, you're lucky enough to have maybe one ride, you'd get as much buzz the crowd that you might even have riding a winner at one of the smaller meetings that week. So just to, to get there as one of the main aims of the season and then to to have a winner there is, is the bonus. I think definitely. I think everyone's already riding two-year-old mornings thinking, oh, great, it's just really exciting and Obviously, every jockey's got in their head which horse might be able to take them there. 
Yeah, because yeah. it really... I mean, I'll let you go. No, absolutely. I, I was going to say, Safi, obviously, um, you had some good news recently about uh, your new retainer with uh, Hunskut Stud. So so that hopefully can, can maybe bring you some good rides, definitely. And congratulations on that as well. Oh, thank you. Um, no, they're, they're breeding some really nice horses and um, they've got a nice bunch of two-year-olds this year and, and some three-year-olds. So... Um, hopefully they can have a good year and i'm just really grateful to get that opportunity and obviously with horses like alec Nack, he'll have big targets for the summer and it's just nice to be able to get on those better quality horses absolutely is there any clue as to where Alignac's going to go next um but the way he saw out that trip and it looks like he'll go even further i'd say he'll probably aim for the um i think that'll be his main target from now um and then obviously there's plenty more for him later in the summer with um, like he could go to Goodwood, he could go to York, he could even, he could even go to Ireland. So uh, there's loads of targets for him. Hopefully go. I think the owner loves going, has loves having big days. And um, now I'm just grateful to be on top. Yeah. yeah. Definitely very exciting. <laughs> Seriously exciting. A question that I really wanted to ask was about the racing league i remember seeing you both up at um, newcastle for the first day and i know safi had a couple of great winners one on tenaya canyon for ed walker what do you guys think of that competition uh, and do you think it's got legs in the long run i think definitely i think obviously they've sort of changed the format a bit this year having more trainers more jockeys i think um last year it became quite apparent that towards the end of the season the team some of the teams were running out of horses to run and they weren't having full fields um but no with more trainers and a smaller amount of teams that's not going to be a problem this year um i think you i think obviously they're sort of learning about it each year but i think it's bringing such a huge amount of prize money into the sport for a level of horse that wouldn't necessarily be able to run for that amount of money. Um, yeah. And I think it's a new concept. I think lots of people will try and knock it because lots of people don't like new things. But um, I think I think it definitely has legs and I think it's just going to keep improving. Yeah, you definitely you definitely hope so. And I think <laughs> it's it's great for some of those smaller tracks. Well, not even smaller tracks, but just to to be able to give those those horses in the sort of naught to 90 range uh, a chance to run for yeah. for bigger money it's it's cool and it's great because it's a sport that does need to keep on innovating um and you know i'm happy to to see that sort of come out um i know charlie had a question about a horse that we both have liked since since last season which was uh bayside boy um yeah, no, no. I just, well, I just wanted to ask um, Dave. And obviously, you rode him last season. Uh, has some really good form in the book. Uh, ran home Luxembourg and Native Trail, who are both um, classic favourites this season. So, just wanted to get a word on on him, how he's doing, and uh, you know what what's the hopes and expectations for for this season with that horse. Yeah, he's a he's a lovely horse. Obviously. Nube, and he's he's not the biggest individual in the world. Um, he's he's probably one of the smaller smaller three year olds you could say, but he's a classy individual who has obviously got big targets for for this year. Um, I'm not sure which sort of group one or classic he'll be going for. 
in the springtime, but uh, whatever it is, it'd be, it'd be aiming high. And he looks to be training well. I haven't sat on him myself, but Ben, who rides him out every day, is pleased with him. And uh, yeah, an exciting horse going forward. With some, as you say, cracking form in the book. He's probably got some of the some of the best form three year olds have gone into the season. Yeah, no, Obviously, he's. He place yeah. in them in their group one so uh yeah it'd be exciting where he goes next yeah no he's, he's definitely right up there and might be a tricky question but who do you think's better having chased them both home do you, luxembourg or native trail i know they're probably going to go for different classics so it might be hard to quantify but in your opinion who do you think's better i i'm myself personally I think Luxembourg was still unfurnished last year and was still able to win a race and post trophy. I know Nate, uh, Native Trail was really classy and classy and demolished his fields, but he knew his job and he was strong. And I was really taken by all his performances last year, but I do think Luxembourg will be the improving horse for this year and I think if I was to favour one I'd probably be leaning towards the the Bally Doyle horse Luxembourg yeah it's interesting that because it it's it feels almost like it's going to be another Pinatubo where Native Trail was almost so overdeveloped as a two-year-old that he's not going to have that much left in the tank as a three-year-old whereas the others you know there's a good chance they'll improve past him yeah. um Bayside boy included obviously yeah Exactly. Absolutely. Um, As David hopes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll be there if it's uh, if it's Guineas or if it's uh, Epsom or wherever. We'll we'll be there cheering you guys on. Yeah, so yeah. you don't you don't have to worry about that. Um, why don't we take it actually to a, a more serious note? Obviously, um, I think it was in the summer of last year. There was a point we actually spoke to Ashin Murphy about it when he came on the podcast, uh, which was the subject of online abuse. And there was a story which was flagged by your dad, I think, um, Safi. But I just wanted to, to find out sort of what your opinions are on it and um, the abuse that you guys sometimes get after racing and for, you know, personal matters as well. Uh, and how do you guys handle it? I think, like, I kind of, when that happened dad sort of sent it to me I sent it to dad sort of laughing at it and he actually thought oh my god it's actually quite serious like you can always get the odd when someone's back to you and you've got all you've got beaten on a favorite you can guarantee you're going to get a tweet on twitter or yeah. a message yeah. on facebook telling you you're the worst jock it's ever walked this planet it's like funny that. you never no matter how bad a ride you give it you never get abuse when you win do you no there's some <laughs> yeah. horses that you thought that you win on you think I gave that the worst ride ever but no one seems to care about that but and they're normally the first people to tell you how amazing you are as well when you ride a winner and they've backed it, um, which is even funnier. Um, <laughs> but no, the sort of message I got, and I think he was sort of a serial offender. It was pretty vulgar stuff. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like, I, I, it doesn't really bother me, but I think, I think in all sports it's probably happened, especially sport where um, lots of gambling's involved. The, I think if anyone loses their money, they're going to be angry about it and they always want someone to blame. Yeah. Um, I just think, I think, I think people deal with it differently. I'm quite, I find it quite easy to sort of like shrug it off. And I think David's quite similar and you don't really even, you kind of laugh at it more than anything. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like 
this sport, like you have people aged 16 coming to the sport that might not know about that. And if you, if some of you were 16 and you had no idea and you got tweeted something like I did, you, it might really affect someone. Yeah, of course. Um, but no, I think like obviously the PGA and the BHA are trying to do things to stop it, but there isn't much because like you can't, I don't know what the, but like you can just block people, but at the same time, someone else is going to do it the next day. So it's like, I don't really know how you, it's, try and regulate it it's such a difficult one you know twitter is <laughs> largely kind of decentralized and everyone so everyone can access it and if you get banned you can just set up a new account it's very easy um to do so it's yeah it's a difficult one but it's really interesting to get your guys opinions on it um we're conscious we don't want to take up too much of your time so why don't we go to end the interview with a couple of couples questions um we're going to ask, uh, you know, the other, the other partner uh, or the other boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever you want to call it, uh, to try and answer what the other person's answer, response, response should be. Uh, so we'll start with David. What is Safi's favourite snack? Oh, there's multiple, multiple <laughs> snacks. She is a... Cereal snacker, you could say. Uh, <laughs> uh, Don't get it wrong. I think, I think her go-to would be jelly babies, especially in the car on the way or on the way back from racing. She would be a big fan of jelly babies, but it has to be the right, the right type of jelly babies. It has to be the main arts. Bassets, the old fashioned jelly babies. He's saying that because there's a packet of jelly babies yeah, next to him. I, yeah. was just about to, I was just about to ask that. Do you he have... is fairly right, though. I eat a lot of jelly babies, but I only eat the red and purple ones. So there's lots of ask. packets in my car full of, just full of orange and green and yellow ones just left there. Yeah, no, no one likes those ones. I completely agree. No. <laughs> uh, red and, ones are elite. And Safi, what's David's favourite snack? Um, pressure's on you eat he eats a lot of crap um, <laughs> let me think he likes snacker jacks he eats a lot of snacker jacks interesting very you a lot healthy, of healthy rice cakes yeah, yeah but it's not healthy when you eat five packets of healthy <laughs> rice cakes you can tell a lot about a man who, who eats snacker jacks <laughs> <laughs> really manly yeah. like salt and vinegar uh, we'll let you guys both uh, answer this at the same time night in or night out night in <laughs> very interesting I guess being jockeys you have to get up so early it, you know it's difficult but if you have a big winner don't forget to celebrate absolutely definitely um, David best trainer to ride for be very careful <laughs> God, you can't answer that. That's horrendous. Best trainer to ride for. As in best horses or well, what, easy with instruction. Whatever. Or whatever I'm, not you... scared, I'm not scared of them. <laughs> Interpret it how you want. Well, exactly. Um, you put the words in my mouth, Safi. I rode... I have to say, I rode a race for Wesley Ward and he's probably one of the most laid-back horizontal human beings i've spoken to before a race in the parade room 
That's really that's he really interesting. interesting yeah. he, he literally doesn't tie you down. He'd ask you what you had for breakfast in the parade ring and just talks everything other than horses or the race. He's just so laid back. That's that's so interesting. Never, I like that. I like never, that. never any pressure. And I think that's why you see, maybe that's why you see people like Frankie Dettori go and ride some of the best races on, on his horses when there's, there's no pressure going into it. Hmm. Um, Safi, I'm guessing yours... <laughs> Would be. No, I think I think David answered that <laughs> question so well that we don't need to ask it to me. <laughs> Understood. Understood. That'd have to be diplomatic. Jamie Osborne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was going to be the answer. <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much. The bit. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. If we could get before you guys go one horse from each of you for the flat season, uh, who would it be? You could, I think non-obvious ones, I think, David. Don't pick an obvious one. Non-obvious ones, yeah. Under the radar. Um, There is a very uh, nice unraced filly for your viewers to keep note of wherever she runs. She's a filly called Pure Dignity. Pure Dignity. Yeah, she's a very, very well-bred, expensive filly who should be making a name for herself this year trained by Roger Berry thank you very he much he really wants to say he really wants to say Mishriff but you know <laughs> that yeah. would be too obvious yeah we know uh, we know who Mishriff is <laughs> <laughs> um, and Safi who's your horse um, a horse called Duty of Care he is a four year old he's rated 90 he was bought from Sir Michael Stout last year, and I think he could be a big improver this year for those good handicaps. Very exciting. He he is a genius at, at training the older horses, isn't he? He seems to. I mean, the, what he did with Crystal Ocean in particular was was. He's just moved from Michael Stout. So. Well, that that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we might be in trouble then. Jamie Osborne, brilliant with top dog handicaps. Just edit, edit out my, uh, Sir Michael Stout's name there and put in Jamie Osborne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then he'll be you know, yeah. the crystal action bit. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll edit both no. those bits out. No, um, um, yeah, I think I think he could I think he could be an improver. Very exciting, very 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 exciting, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you guys have such a busy schedule, uh, and I really appreciate it. And look forward to tracking your progress over the flat season. Hopefully, we'll be able to get you back on at some stage. Uh, maybe even come to do it live or we could do it live at a racetrack or something but yeah thank yeah, you so really, much an end of season <laughs> yeah <laughs> see, how, see how our predictions went exactly <laughs> exactly exactly. awesome guys well thank, um, thank you very much thanks guys. for having us thanks so much coming on guys great interview uh two lovely people great jockeys wise heads um and they spoke very eloquently about the sport which i really liked safi clearly has had a great time out in dubai um i mean what a weekend it was out there wasn't it it was great yeah and and as you said adenak 
ran a really bold race a uh, big odds as well and like Monobo who probably should have won that race and was like so keen at the start and really threw the race from there you know Monobo's like a really good yardstick um, Monobo's a proper proper horse and I think will be certainly the, the Appleby sort of staying horse for this year um, so yeah so that was good for her in general it was a pretty good weekend wasn't it uh, a really good weekend for the Japanese quite yeah. surprisingly uh, but the, there's been a steady rise certainly you know Love's Only You friend of the podcast one of their more notable winners in in recent times but this was an absolute rout they won five of seven races at Maidan you know, it's, it's incredible I think what's happened is the Japanese have, have caught up on the jungle juice that the uh, oh. That our good friend Sheikh Mohammed was using for years. Well, I was very, yeah, I was very disparaging of of the Sheikh's horses, and 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 um, it looks like I should be pointing the finger actually at the Japanese now. Which yeah, is, yeah, or or they're just good horses, and I'm a bit bitter. But I don't know, maybe. well, they they're clearly they're clearly doing something differently, um, but something right. Let's take the action back to the. Um, the British Isles. We'll start first with the big one up at air, the Scottish Grand National. It's a bit of a minefield, this. Um, I would say my only sort of weak fancy would be um, Ask a Honeybee, weirdly, for uh, Fergal. It's a massive punt because it's completely unexposed, um, but it did show good form when midfield in the champion bumper at Cheltenham last year it hasn't really been tried at this sort of big staying trip um yet but knowing what a shrewd operator he is and the fact that this race really is a minefield uh there's been quite strong support for him in from 33s to 20s 18s in places and it wouldn't surprise me if he was a little bit ahead of his mark having been run in quite trappy contests so far this year. So I really don't have a strong opinion in it, um, but I'll, I'll let it over to you now because I think you might have a stronger one than I do. No, no I mean, not really. I'm actually going to go completely the opposite way to you and choose a horse that is incredibly exposed, um, has run in this race like four or five times or something, and runs pretty well in the race has come third is has been his best result uh and that horse is vintage clouds way down in the market is a 12 year old now and stats wouldn't suggest that's possibly the best thing but i just like a horse that's consistent um he's proven over the distance uh he as i say yeah, has finished third in this before he's probably a bit vulnerable for win purposes but he is off a competitive mark now. And I just think that, you know, he could run a big race and yeah. outrun those odds, more importantly, like 33 to 1 for a horse of that caliber has been around the block. I think it's a bit insulting to him, really. So so I'm hoping for a big run. And look, it's not going to be like, what was it, the Welsh National where we saw sort of five horses finish. I don't think this would be like that. The ground, I, I don't know what the forecast is, actually, I didn't look, but it doesn't seem to be too testing at the moment. So, yeah, y- you know, maybe it's probably going to be more horses finished, but you want one that does see out the trip and will jump all the way around. And I think Vintage Clouds will be that horse, but cue him falling at the first fence now. 
Well, we'll wait and see what happens in that one. Um, let's take it across the Irish Sea to Leopardstown, where we've got a big day on the flat there. Uh, the start of the Guineas trials. We'll start with the 235, which is the Ballyhinch stud uh, 2000 Guineas trial listed race. Uh, over seven furlongs, Dr. Zempf is the favourite, 11 to 8. Glownthorn, who haven't seen since uh, the Breeders' Cup, is it 11 to 4. Muktigu is 7 to 1 for Jim. Uh, New Energy, 7s as well for Miss Sheila Lavery. And they're 10 to 1 bar that. So I'll start with my kind of analysis of this race, which is that you've got quite inconsistent horses here or horses who have had inconsistent results. Um, I think Dr. Zempf does have strong form uh, with that with that Cara um, run behind Ebro River. And then actually at Newmarket, wasn't beaten far, although he was eight of 10. Um, he actually really was only beaten two and a half lengths. So you'd probably say that he's the right favorite um, and would take a lot of beating here. So for me, I'd probably land on on him, although I really wouldn't want to have a bet in the race because it's difficult. They're all coming back for their first run of the season apart from the um, the Jesse Harrington one. So, you know, that one is is definitely fit. Um, but you would have thought that Dr. Zemp's class might carry him to, uh, to, to victory here. Yeah, I probably disagree with that. I don't think Dr. Zemp's going to win. Um, not that he's not a good horse. I think he is quite a good horse. I think they thought a bit of him. Uh... I'd rather actually have one of the Aiden runners. Um, which one that would be, I'm actually not sure. Um, I think that, I think that Glounthau, I can't. How do we pronounce that name? Glunthane. Glunth- you said Glunthane, but I don't think that's how they say it. Anyway, that horse has some good form in the book, definitely, um, and could be a good bet. I, I don't know. I would tentatively maybe go for the Acropolis. Weirdly. Well, it was always a fancied uh, one last last yeah, year. Yeah, always a fancy one last year. Has Never form with, has much, form so. of Glanthane. I think yeah. that the prices might just be a you know, a bit of better value. I always remember he was I think he was quite a small horse last year. So hopefully, you know, you'd like to see in the paddock he's sort of grown into himself a bit this year and, and has filled out his frame. That would definitely be a good sign to me and, and would suggest that he might outrun his odds back on reappearance but it's a tough race i mean i want to take aiden an aiden horse there mainly because he started the season on fire you know he's he's had some some really decent winners come out uh and exactly these kind of profile horses you had horses last year running good races without actually winning them like stone age was a maiden uh was the highest rated maiden in ireland uh before that win uh the other day having placed in like group one company or something in France, which is nuts, you know, having not won a race, pretty incredible. And then uh, New York City as well was another notable winner for him. So so he started the season off really nicely uh, and jockey bookings, as we always know with Aiden, doesn't tell the full story because this, the amount of times that the third, second or yeah. third string wins is, is unbelievable. So I, I, I'll put up the Acropolis for this one. Nice. Okay, so we'll move on to the 310 at Leopardstown, which is the 1,000 guineas trial. Um, also over seven furlongs. And Sacred Bridge, who was a really, really hot favourite in the Cheveley Park last year, uh, comes in at 9-4 to favourite. Contrary Chapel, 
those owners have got some pretty good horses with Aiden, including Luxembourg, um, who's favourite for the 2000 Guineas Tenebrism. at the moment. And Tenebrism, exactly. Uh, Agartha comes in for Joseph at fives. Homeless Song, sevens. Uh, and they're 12 to one bar that. We both landed upon the same horse here. And it's not the first three in the market currently. It's Homeless Song, who we actually independently both were on. Um, I really like the fact that on his first run, he really defeated Agatha very easily, uh, who, who comes in here um it at, at five to one so two points lower in the in the market um sorry just just on that as well agartha had three runs already by the time yeah. by the time they'd come against each other homeless songs hadn't run agartha had run three times the well team clearly think a lot of this horse they they chucked him in the um moigler uh, group one the next time out and then uh the group three at the sort of in October where, you know, he was sixth, but a very, very hot favorite at six to four. So they clearly think a lot of him. He's beautifully bred by Frankel out of a Damaru mare. Um, and it's just the type of race where Sacred Bridge will be, you know, a warm favorite having done what she did last year. And it just wouldn't surprise me if, if, if Homeless Songs had a lot of improvement, having only run three times last year. Obviously, the contrarily, Chapel has sort of a similar profile, um, being very unexposed. But, you know, I, I, I love the breeding of this Homeless Songs. And, um, you know, I think seven to one, you're getting a good price. I think you're getting a really good price. I think one more thing I'd mention on top of that would be, obviously, Homeless Songs has course and distance form, um, which is always a plus, right? So, uh, yeah, one on, on debut at Leperstown over seven furlongs. Uh, I think another thing to mention, so when Homeless Songs beat Agartha, they then reopposed um, uh, next time out for Homeless Songs, but it was not next time out for Agartha. Agartha had two more runs following that, won both of those races, um, and then went to the Moyglare where they reopposed. And so Agartha was just more experienced. And, and home, Homeless Songs was still shorter in the market than Agartha as well. Yeah, yeah I think we were a favourite. Uh, uh, nine to four. Favourite was a very marginal favourite from, okay. from... Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, so, yeah. so a close favourite. Nice. And yeah, the, the description of the race will tell you that the horse was still clearly a bit green. Yeah. And uh, also was short of room uh, at, a, at a point. So could be considered a bit unlucky uh then yeah the, i mean look I, I think you're completely right in the fact that actually this bet presents a lot of value at seven to one uh yeah. this this horse will come on um you know dermot world's is a great trainer and I, I think this this horse could be quite exciting this year actually so yeah you know keep an eye out even for later in the season i see he's 33 she's 33 to one for the 1000 guineas that could look a lot shorter if she goes and does the business here. So it's a strong one for Homeless Songs. Uh, finally, we're going to look at the Bally Sacks, the Group 3 um, for three-year-olds. Buckaroo currently heads quite an open field at 3-1. to one. Um, Piz Badil for Donica O'Brien, 7-2. to two. Bluegrass uh, finishes the O'Brien trio at fours. And then you've got Duke De Sessa for Dermot Weld. 
Manu record for Jim Bolger at 17 to 2. They're 10 to 1 bar those. Uh, where did you land in this one? God, you shouldn't have gone to me for this one. I mean, I think this is a really hard race to work out. Actually, Joseph O'Brien's been bigging up Buckaroo quite a lot as his big uh, derby hopeful, I think, for, for this season. So that could be telling. Uh, and 3 to 1, if that is the case, then that's probably quite an appealing price. Duke de Sessa, quite a good horse, potentially. I mean, that last run uh, with Pisbedeel in behind was definitely good. But actually, Pisbedeel, you know, on that, having that being only um, his second run, and that was in the group three, that's definitely quite impressive. It's a, re- it's a really tricky one. I don't have a strong opinion in this, and I think you actually, from memory, have something a, a bit stronger, so I might just pass it back to you. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm actually quite sweet on one here. I always look for an angle at the start of the season, which is kind of um, Jim Bolger's horses always tend to be ready at the start of the season. And, and you usually still get a bit of um, a bit of juice in the price. And there's one here that I think strikes as quite an obvious bet, which is Manuel Cord. Um, last time out, second behind Luxembourg at the Curra. And the time before that was also an interesting run when completely unfancied in a group two and actually disputed the lead and then um, just weakened right at the end when looking to have a pretty good chance. That was in a group two, um, has always run in, in, in proper, proper races. They clearly think a lot of the horse because he's entered up in all of the big races, you know, the Dante, the Irish 2000, the Derby um, and the Irish Derby. I think that this would be a really good starting point. I also think that the um, field clearly is quite open um, I'm not a huge fan of Buckaroo. I think that, um, you know, for as much as he's hyped up, I think there's nothing that obvious in his in his form. I mean, the only race he, he won, he beat Stone Age a neck uh, when, when a really warm favourite at Galway. Look, you've got um, some unexposed horses uh, for Coolmore and, you know, they could quite easily come out and, and give their running. Uh, but... I think at 17 to 2, you're getting value with Manu Accord. And that is the reason why you've got to be quite careful betting in these races early season because you can get stung going for a warm favourite when they haven't had a run yet. And knowing what I know about Jim Bolger's horses at the start of the season, I would be really, really happy to um, to have a little play on him each way. I, I really like that angle. I think it just sort of reeks of like poetic flair. Of, of last season i mean those entries are pretty taking right absolutely and that is a very good point like you know it's worthwhile for any listeners out there who sort of want to look at the racing leading up to the first classics of the season look at those entries and and it, and it is it can be quite telling you know it gives you a good indication of what someone thinks of a horse and like jim's not just going to throw money at everything you know he owns these horses so he it's within his own interest to sort of be a bit more sensible about where he puts his horses. And uh, I think for that reason, yeah, I think I, I like it. I like it a lot and you're getting a good price again. Awesome. Um, that is probably going to bring the episode to a close. We've had a great chat with Safi and David and hopefully we've got quite an exciting horse to look forward to in the form of pure dignity. Uh, for Roger Varian, which is the one that David flagged up. Um, 
Hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you're sharing and subscribing and telling all your friends about the podcast. Um, It's been a lot of fun to do this episode and we look forward to seeing you next week. Any closing remarks from you, Charlie? (laughs) Not really. I'm just so happy the flat's back. Like it's, you know, the jumps has been fun, but it's, it's over now like you know move on and yeah the flats just seeing some of those familiar names trotting out again is is like really exciting and yeah can't can't wait for it to properly kick off awesome um we'll see you guys next week uh it's a goodbye from me tris and it's a goodbye from me charlie goodbye